Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back, friends. This is episode number 58 of the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler. Did you know that 63% of those who place their faith in Jesus do so before the age of 14? This is precisely why Bible to School is offered to second, third, and fourth graders. And this is also why our guest today, Doug Clark, is so passionate about equipping and encouraging others to reach the youth of our day. Now, Doug is also a spokesman for the national rally you've probably heard of called See You at the Pole, which is happening at your school's flagpole in just two short weeks. September 28th, 2022. So be sure to head over to our show notes so you can access all this information and more. Just go to BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com and click on the resource tab. You'll find our podcast along with the notes from today's episode outlined for you there. Now is also the perfect time to get a Bible to School class up and running in your area. Join us in our mission to help reach your local public school with the message of Jesus. Go to our website, BibleToSchool.com, and fill out our Contact Us form. We'll reach out to you to get this discussion started. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and listen in to Lee's conversation with Doug Clark. Well, Doug Clark, welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Thank you, Lee. It's great to be with you. It's so fun. We know each other. We go back a little ways, but I bet our listeners may not know you. So would you introduce yourself to our audience? Well, I'm a career youth leader, youth worker, started doing youth ministry with junior high back in 1974 in a local church, 16 years at a church in Orange County, California. And then during that time, I got very involved in encouraging others and just out of my own sense of need, networking with other youth pastors in our community in North Orange County. And that made me aware that there were people doing that across the country, became aware of the National Network of Youth Ministries. And as a participant, as a youth pastor, got more and more involved and interested in that until God said, it's time for you to leave the local church as an employee, and I want to take you on this new direction. And so we've been doing that for 31 years with the network. And our dream is that every youth pastor would have the support and encouragement of a a group of other youth leaders, church and parachurch in their community, so that they can last longer in ministry. We found that the average youth pastor, this is pre-pandemic, and it's probably lower now, but the pre-pandemic numbers that we have is the average youth pastor lasts about 3.9 years, which is not even the length of one graduating high school class. Wow, yep. But when they're involved in a healthy network, that number expands two and a half times to 9.2 years. The amount of effectiveness we have in ministry through longevity is just has been shown again and again and again. So we want to encourage youth pastors to network together in their community, to be healthy, to pray together, to build relationships, to 
do ministry things together that are outside and bigger than themselves in, within their church walls. So that's what the National Network's about, and that's what we've been sounding as a, a message of unity, biblical unity that Jesus prayed for in John 17, that they might be one so that the world would believe. So it has a great commission purpose to it. So that's what we're about. I really appreciate that. And I think we know maybe intuitively that it's good for people to stick around. But Doug, could you spell out some of the benefits of having a youth worker stay in the same role for longevity? Like, what are the benefits of having people not be this revolving door in our churches and parachurch organizations? Well, it affects the students, for one thing. The closeness that a lot of students in a youth group feel for their youth pastor, and then having that change suddenly when the youth pastor leaves, can feel like a divorce. Boom. I mean, that right there ought to get our attention. Students are, children and student and teenagers are the most responsive to the gospel. The statistic that's floated around for years is that 85% of those who respond to a claim for Christ in their life do so before they're 18. And so this age group of children and young people as, as teenagers is the most fertile ground that the church can plow. And so we ought to make that a, a high priority in our ministry rather than something that's less important than a ministry to adults, which needs to also be families, of course, and supporting, supporting them. The youth pastor who's been in one place for a longer amount of time, and I'll just be vulnerable with you from my own experience. I started when I, in 74 as a 19-year-old doing junior high ministry. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have kids. I thought I knew what I was doing. And so I came in <laughs> a little arrogant at yep. times. Yep. And it took me, it was a whole different experience having children and parenting them myself and then applying what I was learning back to being more supportive to the moms and dads that we were working with in our ministry. And that only can happen through time. It only can happen through experience. And as a 67-year-old at this point, if I were to go back to the local church and be a youth pastor, I would approach youth ministry in a very different way than I did as trying to be the, the youth leader hero that I wanted to be, you know, for the kids back in the day. In the day. Even though I saw fruit from that, yeah. I think there'd be greater fruit if I'd approach it as a team builder working with parents. That happens through experience. It doesn't happen, you know, by accident. So. You know, what's so unusual is we often think that youth pastors need to, or people who work with kids need to be young. So would you just kind of speak into why there actually is wisdom that comes with having more seasoned people? Our Bible to School listeners, our, our podcast listeners are very diverse in age, mm -hmm. but I think a lot mm -hmm. of times they think, this is a young person's job when actually we probably need the gamut of age range, right? There, you just said it. You said exactly what I what I think is important. The church is multi-generational. While there's a place for age group ministry, taking kids and doing Sunday school or youth group with them at a particular age group and doing that in age-appropriate ways and having someone that is in addition to their family who's pouring into them then it's a team working with the family. But the, the best research out there right now is that the average young person who is going to grow and, and be at minimal risk of doing crazy things in, the, in their life has a number of people who are pouring into them. 
And I think of my experience with my kids growing up in nuclear themselves, my, my wife, myself, an uncle that was a believer who reinforced what we were teaching. And then there were youth pastors. There was a student venture or crew staff person who was pouring into them. There were other adults that poured into them. And it generated health and stability in their life that was way beyond what would have happened if it was just mom and dad. And so not only that, but think of grandparents. And now I'm in that role. I have two grandchildren. How important it is for grandparents. And there's a whole movement right now of a legacy building amongst grandparents that has been really gaining steam, at least in Southern California. And I think it's more national, but I've seen some of the evidence of it here in Southern California of grandparents stepping in and going, wait, I have a really important role right now to fill in, in helping build health and stability and spiritual vitality in my grandchildren. And when you have the grandparents doing it, the parents doing it, the church doing it, and then others around them, kids are just growing up in this thriving environment that can help them face the challenges that they face every day. I think that's really well said. And the further away from my youth ministry days, I guess it's been 22 years since I left full-time youth ministry, uh-huh. the more I realize I would really like to go back and tell my 20-year-old self some things, yeah. oh, you know? Yeah. And it, I mean, even as a parent, as you walk in, you, you go, oh, the emphasis does not need to be there as kids get older. You just have more time and perspective. Doug, are you finding across the network that kids are still open to the word of God? They may not be biblically literate, but are they open to the word? Right. They aren't biblically literate. That is a downer. They are less involved in church. That also is a real disappointment, but they are very open. And the difference is when people build relationships with them, love them and love Jesus, that we are finding that young people are open to the gospel. It has to be explained in ways that are appropriate to this generation, Gen Z and Generation Alpha that's coming up now. It has to be appropriate for them. But when you build relationships with them, they're they're open to hear about Jesus. And I'm hearing that from Gen Z leaders. Of course, I'm a grandparent age one now myself, but a baby boomer. But the, those that are working with Gen Z that are, are part of that generation and millennials are saying, the same thing, that there's an openness. And I heard that as recently as this week from two Gen Z ministry leaders who were pointing out just how open this generation is. And we're praying that this year and that the season right now would be a season of revival and awakening and that Gen Z students would be part of being at the vanguard of that because that's the way that God has moved throughout our nation's history. It's always been led by young people, college age and sometimes younger. And I want to see it again. That's the thing we pray for. Yeah, I just had chills run up my arms again. That's where you and I have talked about this before. You have kind of another ministry that we haven't hit on yet. And that's as a spokesperson for See You at the Pole. Right. And I am so excited about that ministry. It's impacted my life, my kids' lives. But Doug, can you tell us about See You at the Pole? Well, See You at the Pole is a call to prayer. It's focused on one day a year. It was birthed amongst a group of freshman students on a weekend retreat in 1990. And it has grown to, just by the move of the Spirit, I can't give it any other explanation, to touch millions of young people over the years. But it's it's the fourth Wednesday of September 
It's a day when students are invited to lead and plan and execute a time of prayer with other Christians from their school. The name See What the Poll comes from meeting at the flagpole in front of the school, not to put on a show or do a protest or put on a demonstration, but simply as a common place to pray and to, to gather with other believers and pray before school, usually on the fourth Wednesday of September. What we dream that that would do would be a launching pad for a prayer ministry for outreach that would go throughout the school year and that the moment of See at the Pole would become a movement of prayer because that we believe is the first best thing that students can do is to pray for their school. And what we've experienced is that students see each other in a whole different light in that gathering. They go, That's, that person's two rows over from me in my algebra class. I didn't know they were a Christian. Now, Lord, what could we do together? This is the beginning of the school year in September. What could we do throughout the school year? And that that would lead to the first best thing that they could possibly do, which is to pray for their friends and pray for their school and for each other. But then how could we reach out? Could we have a Bible study where we encourage each other and be the church here at this school? Could we have a Christian club maybe? Maybe it's an outreach of another kind. Maybe we pick up trash. Maybe we show concern for our school by just being better servants and representing Jesus that way, but that it would extend through the year. So we've partnered, See What the Poll most recently has partnered with a group called Claim Your Campus. Claim Your Campus was started by a youth pastor in Michigan, Jeff Eckert. Out of See at the Poll, he said, we need to train students to pray every day. And so they've created this app and this Claim Your Campus app helps guide students to pray day by day by day by day throughout the year for the issues that are really important at their school. And anybody can use the app. But See at the Poll has, uh, I think, impacted the last count about 65 countries around the world. I'm not wow. saying it's done in 65 countries every year. And the pandemic definitely was a, a, a little bit of a wet blanket because nobody was gathering. But uh, we do a, a broadcast, a real-time broadcast on the day of See at the Poll, the fourth Wednesday of September, which this year is the 28th of September. And somebody can pray using what we have on YouTube as a guide, even if they're not on a campus. Kind of a long answer to your question. But. No, I think it's really good. And Jeff and Claim Your Campus are really, really moving the ball forward yeah. with students and their app is free. So we just go ahead and encourage everybody to download that app and help your kids download that app as well. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. How do you pray? Today's question came from one of our Bible to School children sitting in a program with his friends. Prayer was the topic for the day. And because prayer was a totally new concept for this little boy, he turned to his friend, who he knew attended church, and simply asked, how do you pray? His friend kindly said, repeat after me, our Father who art in heaven. And he led this little boy in prayer by example. What a beautiful picture painted of a child discipling another child. When our children have Christian friends in their lives, they can confidently encourage and equip each other on their faith journey. Doug, a lot of our audience is working with young elementary school students. Right. Is CU at the Pole happening with elementary schools as well? It has, and it always has been. Our primary focus has been to work with youth leaders because that was always our audience with the National Network of Youth Ministries. But we have noticed, and I 
helped my kids do see at the pole when they were in elementary school. There's a different level of involvement and support as a parent that was necessary there. We have just seen an increase in the numbers of elementary schools where, where there's been participation, often with parental help and encouragement. I have noticed that especially older elementary age students can lead it and have that sense of ownership and vision and see themselves as a missionary to their elementary school just as much as a junior high or high school or college student. And so it can be really exciting what happens there. I think that's really exciting. And our Bible to School members are used to pulling kids out of the school, but this is a great way to right there on their campus, encourage their kids to represent Christ right there and to cry out and intercede for their own school and peers. Doug, what resources are available? I mean, these are elementary school kids, so there is going to have to be some planning involved. What kind of resources have been created to help get into the hands of these students who would like to lead? Right. And and generally, that's going to be a parent who works with them. So I, again, I'll use my own story. I took from the See at the Poll website, the checklist of what things to do. I sat down with my kids and invited their friends, mostly older elementary age students, just to meet together. And what do you what do you want to see Jesus do at your school? How could we pray? Okay, now we're going to take a time to pray for this. Here's a checklist of things we need to do. And you're going to have your part to start. And then you're going to do this. And you're going to, it's kind of scripted at that age. And letting the principal know we would like to, there will be some people praying out in front of the school before school starts. It'll end before school begins. So it's outside of instructional time. Parents will be there to make sure everything is orderly and the kids are safe, which is a key component. We're going to encourage our kids to just pray. And how can we pray for the school? What would you allow us to do to invite other kids to do this? And they, that may be as simple as word of mouth invitation, or you might need to work through the churches in the community, through their friendship circles and whatnot. A moms in prayer group would do that maybe with their children. So there's, there's ways to get the word out that way. Then allow the kids, because they've got something in front of them to kind of follow, to maybe sing together, to pray for their school and do it that way. And it helps launch this mentality that I'm here to represent Jesus at my school. And the first best thing I can do for my friends is to pray for them. And Jesus, we pray for our principal that they would do a good job. And I pray for my teacher, Mrs. Burke, that she would be a good teacher. And, you know, whatever would be the things that would be on their agenda as children. One of the things I've always loved about Moms in Prayer and the Ministry of Moms in Prayer is that they teach us to pray proactively and positively for the people that are in the schools. And it's easy. Yeah, Yeah. using scripture. But also, it's not a place where we're beating an agenda drum. It's a place where we're praying God's best over all the teachers. And that would include salvation and that they would be excellent at their jobs, that they would see needs. Because we can pray into unbelievers' lives too, right? Yes. And here's something that just unexpectedly happened in the last two and a half years that has brought me to tears many times. Carrie Job, I think, co-authored a song, The Blessing, based on the Aaronic blessing from, I think, the Book of Numbers, but it's way back from the Pentateuch. The Lord bless you and keep you to make his face to shine upon you. She turned that into a song, and something happened that I don't think they anticipated. 
that song was sung and, and led at the church in North Carolina. But I saw the first one was that in the book City of Pittsburgh that they took during the pandemic when everybody's isolated, they'd use Zoom or something like it to record all the parts of that song representing all the different churches that were participating in it and did the blessing Pittsburgh. And that led to the blessing in London, blessing in Africa, the blessing in, and it just, it became this global thing. And there are scores of the blessing, which is an, an, an expression of, here's what I long for my community right now, that God would bless you and make his face to shine upon you. What a positive thing to do. And that is the spirit, I think, of See at the Pole. It is the spirit of Moms in Prayer. And it needs to be the way the church communicates right now, rather than what, what we're for, as opposed to what we're against. But we're known for what we're against. <laughs> and this church, the world looks at that and go, I'm not interested in that. But when you tell them that you want to bless them, and God's face to shine upon them and that his blessing would go from generation to generation to generation. That's a powerful message. And it's God's heart. It is God's heart. And I know it's Bible to school's heart too, is that there would be an intersection at the elementary school age with the gospel and that it would not just transform kids' lives, but transform families' lives. And we're seeing that happen. I know that's your heart too. Yeah. I, I wonder if you could grandparent us for a minute with elementary school kids and and dial in with me. Doug, what would you say to parents who feel ill-equipped or even youth workers who feel ill-equipped to share the gospel with the kids in their life? I think it starts by showing unconditional love for them, just bringing the God talk into the conversations with the two and a half year old and three and a half year old grandchildren that I have, it has to be very simple. And even last night we were watching the moon rise and it was this glorious, I think they call it the a sturgeon moon, but it was one of the super moons. And we were just watching it come up over the hills to the east yesterday and being able to point out, look, God made this and he made this for us to enjoy. Isn't he wonderful? You're introducing God as creator, but then he also loves us and wants us to have a relationship with him through Jesus, praying together with them and just making that a habit. If we're not loving them, then that message is going to sound legalistic. But when it's in the context of a loving relationship that's showing unconditional love to them, that's that's really powerful. Because I'm I'm a newbie now as a grandparent. So there's way more experienced people listening probably that could speak into this than, than what I'm learning. But my wife and I are enjoying that role right now. But there's helps available. There's the See at the Pole website, for example, in Design This Time of Prayer. It really walks you right through it. But there's resources out there that can help you know how to communicate the love of Jesus. Be a learner. At my age, I've, I've discovered there's so much I don't know, but I can learn it. And I can go and I can find a podcast or I can find a book or a YouTube video or something that will help me to learn some new skills. And if I have a growing edge in my own life, that just loving Jesus and falling in love with him every single day, that's contagious. It's an overflow because Jesus is the one that said, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's intended to overflow into the lives of other people. Sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes it just happens because you're in the same proximity with somebody that's overflowing. Mm, so well said. 
Well, friend, I'm so grateful that you were with us and that you shared about See You at the Pole, too. I would totally invite our friends to jump on the website. It's September 28th this year. And your heart really is to get churches behind this, too, right? Right. It is. And if I could share just kind of a word picture with your listeners for a moment, one of the my son was on played football in high school. And there's that moment in a football game when the team is getting vibrating in the end zone, right? Because they're all excited to play this game. And they've got a big paper banner usually spread out in front of them. And then there's a line of people that are the, the cheerleaders usually on both sides. And they come bursting through this banner. And the band is playing the fight song. The parents are cheering and their classmates from the grandstand. The cheerleaders are doing flips. And everybody's celebrating the moment when they are about to start the game to get them psyched up for it. And I thought many times, why don't we do that better in the church? Here we have students that are facing this very challenging environment every day and Christian teachers who are parts of our churches. What if one of your listeners would go to the pastor and say, we need to create that pep rally environment in our church before school starts or at the beginning of the school year? Now, Moms in Prayer does bless our school Sunday, so that's be part of it. But what if we brought the Christian students, had them either stand or come down to the front, and those teachers who are teaching, especially in the public school, to come down front, and let's commission them as missionaries this year, help recognize God's put them there for a reason. And then throughout the year, after we prayed for and had that time in maybe in a church service, maybe the second or third Sunday of of the school year, when it's still early and fresh, but challenge them that way, but then encourage them. And it could be, that's where I, I, as a grandparent, could put my arm around a guy who's in the high school group, say, hey, what are you facing this week? How can I pray for you? When I see you in the halls, I'm going to stop and pray for you specifically every time I see you at church. And I want you to know that you're a missionary to that school, but missionaries that get sent out don't do that without support from the home church. And I want you to know that I'm I'm in your cheering section uh, for mm-hmm. this year. And continue to encourage them and find out how you can pray for and support them. That creates this environment that's the positive that then helps that student feel launched. And they remember then, I'm not alone when they're sitting and they're facing the challenges that they might face in the classroom. And not only am I not alone, God can use me. Like, we really, really believe that for the Amen. next generation. Yes, well, we do. Doug, I'm wondering as we wrap up together, if you would mind praying for our listeners uh, as we begin a new school year. Yeah, let's do that. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you have a plan and a purpose for every young person, for every teacher who steps onto uh, their, their school campus uh, during the day. Your desire is to use them. Your desire is to fill them to overflowing, to show love and and concern, outreach, and to share the love of Jesus with their friends. Lord, help us as, as a church, help us as parents, help us as grandparents, as neighbors to be intentional about the love that we show to students to encourage them and to pray for them as they step into that role, to even as Lee just said, to let them know that you can use them and that you have a track record of using young people. And I think a little Samuel being open to hearing the voice of God and even as a young child. So it doesn't have to be an adult. Thank you that you've made this Gen Z believer age group, the church of today, not the church of tomorrow. 
Mm. And we pray that this year would be a year when you would see fit by the sovereignty power of your Holy Spirit to pour out your spirit on young people and children across the nation, that there would be an, a flame, as the theme of Sea of the Pole is this year, a, a flame that would spread a fire of passion for you, of love for you, of love for people that they're in class with every day, and practical expressions of that. And uh, help us as families to support and encourage that, help students to feel your call on their lives. And we pray that you would do something that many of us have been praying for for many years, that this would be a time of uh, global moral and spiritual awakening, but that we see young people at the forefront of it mm-hmm. as they share the gospel with their friends. We believe that would honor you. We believe that's your heart. And uh, it's good in Jesus' name. Amen. Doug, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Lee. So did you catch that phrase Doug mentioned a few times? The first best thing that students can do is pray for their school. What an amazing blessing it is that our children have the freedom to meet at the flagpole and pray for their school, their staff, and their friends. Be sure the kids in your life, even the elementary age, know about See You at the Pole happening on Wednesday, September 28th and encourage them to invite their friends. Maybe even spread the word among your own friends, moms in prayer groups, church and youth group. Just get the word out and continue to encourage these kids in your life. Find out how you can support them. Help them know they're not alone and that God can and will use them mightily. Let's be a light for these Gen Zers and Alphas. Let's pray that See You at the Pole would become a launching pad for prayer and outreach in all schools and ignite a fire for Jesus among the next generation. And one great way you can help spread this word is by joining our conversation. Subscribe to our podcast and blog, like us on Facebook and Instagram at Bible2School. We love to hear from our listeners, so please send us a word. You'll also want to go to our website, Bible2School.com, to find the show notes and get the resources you heard about on today's episode. Again, that's Bible the number two school.com. I'll look forward to meeting you back here next week for episode number 58, where our CEO, Corey Pennypacker, talks about one of the best ways to invest your time. And remember, you can tell the children about the love of Jesus.